Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy. This podcast is your place for interviews with hip hop's heavy hitters, music industry executives, industry leaders, and more. And on today's podcast, kept that promise. We had an interview with the one and only Tunde Balagun, who is the co-founder and president of LVRN. That stands for Love Renaissance, and it's a record label based in Atlanta that is focused primarily on R&B music. And the record label is distributed through Interscope, which is part of Universal Music Group. And the record label is home to Summer Walker, Black, Cruel Santino, and a bunch of other artists. Tunde and I talked about a bunch of topics. We talked about Summer Walker's latest release and everything that went into that album and what they wanted to achieve and how that album in many ways achieved a lot of the same metrics and success that you see from some of the biggest pop artists in the world right now and what that means for them and how they want to continue to complete that success and really take things to the global level. We also talked about how LVRN has prioritized mental health services for their leadership team, but also for the artists on their label as well, and how important and impactful that has been. We talk about some of the differences of running a R&B label versus running a hip-hop record label. And then we also talk about investment in Africa, what some of LVRN's future plans are, how Tunde sees some broader trends in the music industry, such as NFTs or other emerging technology. This is a dope conversation, and it's inspiring to talk to the leaders like him who are changing this game and really making things better for artists overall. Here's my chat with Tunde Balagan. All right, today we got Tunde Balagan, co-founder and president of LVRN. And Tunde, we're checking in today a couple weeks after Summer Walker's latest album coming out. And you all put out a big statement before, right? You said you wanted to open the floodgates for the genre. And here we are a few weeks later. She broke a bunch of records with the release. How you feeling? Feeling great, man. <laughs> I feel like we're not mission accomplished yet. Mission is accomplished, but uh, we took a huge step into accomplishing that of, a, you know, just open up the floodgates. So feeling really good about to start. So what would Mission Accomplish look like? Mission Accomplish would look like R&B really getting the respect, recognition, money, investment, time that it deserves globally. It's not about the states. It's about the world. It's very important for us to note that music is already very global and it's becoming more and more global every day. And if you don't look at your releases and just music in general from that perspective, in due time, you're definitely going to fall behind. So it's very big for us, especially with majority of our music being R&B rooted and Black music rooted, that we push this narrative forward because it's going to be very important in the years coming up. I hear that. And especially with her, she's someone that in a lot of ways has been one of the flagship artists that you've had. And I think for a lot of people, especially for a younger generation, she's able to bring something out that you just necessarily haven't seen a lot of other artists do. And of course, I think having a strong base in the U.S. helps, but everything, you got to be global with everything that you're doing. So I feel like you take steps with it, right? So I'm sure you probably had some smaller milestones, like you're saying, yes, breaking it up. What does this look like? Like, what do the steps look like until we can get to where we eventually want things to be? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 
And with that, I mean, I feel like for you all, you've been building and growing the label for some time, but over throughout the years you've done it, I think it's been almost a, almost a decade now, but you've been able to keep a pretty tight knit group, which something that I've always been impressed with, because I think there's just so much turnover, especially among music executives in the industry. And for you all to keep that tight knit group and focus says a lot about what you've built. What have been the main things you've done to keep that together? And how do you see that continuing to expand or evolve over time? Well, first off, when we first started this, and, you know, LVRN was was already previously there before Sean and myself joined in 2012. Justice Jr. and Carlin had, had already started with uh, our first artist, Rory, and we came in and joined because we just had this similar mindset, creative aesthetic-wise, but Sean and I had our foot in the music industry a lot more than them, so we just combined together to form a super team. And ultimately, one of the first major steps we did was we agreed to leave all our egos at the door. A lot of stuff in business, people say it's not personal, it's very personal. <laughs> business is very, very, very personal. Anybody that does business says it, they don't have emotion as cap. Like we are all humans. There's some sort of emotions in something that we do. So, you know, especially with us being men, it's just like, oh, men have egos and this is that. And there's five of us. Only way this is going to work if we generally agree that we have to leave that at the door. And as sometimes when we're humans and, and we forget that we have an ego, we all agree on, hey, it's, it's on all of us to check each other. And you see often months it's like guys get on me all the time. Hey, you tripping. <laughs> and, and, and we do the same thing all around. And it's never from a bad place, you know, and sometimes you may not agree. Sometimes you may need to step back and be like, yo, am I tripping? But, you know, that's what kept us together because when you're not able to be corrected and criticized or, or challenged, it makes you just feel like you're just on top of the world and nothing can take you down when, you know, everybody has their slow times. Everything will not always be great. Every great company or great empire has its ups and downs. Then you're really judged on how you get up from that. So, you know, that's really the biggest things that we've been able to put us together. And just to be transparent, we like started off like very nimble. Like when we first got our JV, we put all of our money into our infrastructure. Like we hired people, we got an office, we got this. And we were making good money, but a lot, a lot of our peers and people we saw were putting money into things that we couldn't because all our money went back into our business. So, you know, as time went on and we did better, of course, with business, you make money, stuff like that. So you get better and you're able to afford nice things and whatnot. And even at the point where that came, we were like, man, like we're doing pretty well for ourselves. This is a new journey for us. We should probably like have some conversations. And that's when we started group therapy, because, you know, at a certain point of success, you have to realize that money, women, fame, people getting in your ear and stuff does come up. Like it's impossible for it not to come up. And you need to make sure you're as close as possible and that everything is square and good before you kind of go down that route. And I'm lucky enough for my business partners to be my best friends. 
So with that, you're not always seeing eye to eye with your best friends. It's just like, yo, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know, there's been things through the years that we have may not agreed on, on friend-wise that may actually affect business between us. So when we actually got that out the way, we're unstoppable. Like if we have a fight, it's like, oh, okay. We run through it. We talk and just like, you know what? Cool. Boom. Done. Next. And, you know, I really put that towards our like mental health department and, you know, all the work that we've individually done to be become better people. But that's honestly how we've kept it so tight this whole time. And I think the piece about you all being best friends and actually having that close connection made a big difference because I think anytime you're starting a business with co-founders, there are the challenges. And I'm curious for you all, how close were you all before LVRN? It's crazy. All of us weren't the closest. Sean and I were rivals, were, were rival party promoters in high school. We actually did not like each other. Oh, <laughs> word. Yeah, no, we, we were rivals because I was throwing parties on, on the east side of Atlanta. He was in Gwinnett County. I was in DeKalb County. Man, you know, most people didn't really cross those lines. But funny enough, like, there were, like, high school gangs, and they used to cause beef. So when we used to have parties, Gwinnett gangs would come to DeKalb and vice versa. It's just chaos. So, like, then I used to start going over there and check it out. And one time, I went to Sean's party. He didn't know me, and he tried to charge me and it was like a common thing like promoters don't charge each other so i paid and i was just like okay (laughs) (laughs) and that time i was really petty so you know he came to my party i think a few weeks or sometime later and i just refused to even let him in pay or not so it was just got petty and stuff and then when we got to high school he was like this is stupid like let's uh make some money so went from that and Sean and I teamed up in college to start throwing parties. So Sean and I were roommates and throwing parties, geez, for at least five, six years or or whatever. And then, so of course we were close and and whatnot. And then we always knew Junior Justice and Carlin in and around because Carlin threw parties. We were always around. We were in the scene and stuff, but it was no beef. It was never like tight, 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 but Something about like just having same morals and values, all first generation immigrants, you know, it was just certain things that come about where you just saw that mesh. I mean, everything wasn't perfect from the beginning, but it felt special and we all had a common goal of just being great. So, yeah. That's what's up. And I hear you on the first generation immigrant thing as well. I mean, similarly, my folks are all from Jamaica. So I feel like growing up uh, right outside of Hartford, Connecticut, for me, so many people that you met, even if there are only a few interactions, like you got a vibe of being like, okay, you know, you were definitely in a similar situation. So a lot of that makes sense. I could resonate with that. I think one of the things that stuck out to me when you were telling your story, and I want to go back to it, was about you all a few years down the road starting the group therapy together and realizing how you wanted to be able to grow and evolve. And one, commendable, because you all bring the awareness to this, something that you don't see a lot, A, talked about in the music industry, but then talked about amongst Black men. I think that is great that you all are setting the precedence for this, just given how many challenges we see in the industry. 
But secondly, and this is the question I have, I imagine that there was likely something that may have, whether it sparked that or, you know, whether it's positive or whether there's something that happened between the dynamic with you all that said, hey, there's an opportunity for us to go deeper here and think about not just what we can do for ourselves, but what we can do for our artist. So talk to me about that decision and what things were like leading up to it and how it's been uh, since. Right. So really what led up to it is us just paying attention and just choosing not to be a part of the continuous path of people ignoring the troubles people go through in the music industry from the top of artists to the bottom of employees or people that work for them. And as glorious as this industry is, you can go from being poor to rich in a matter of months or a year based upon your talent. And I think, especially in Black culture, like sometimes shunned away from being proud of us being in music, you know, being funny, like I've luckily been able to travel in first class for a while, but of course I get those looks like, so what do you do? Are you a ball player? And I used to be like, no, I'm a scientist, kind of like trying to run away from the music industry. But now I'm proudly saying, yeah, I'm a music executive and I'm well at it and I do good at it. And the same time of knowing that music industry and then us as black people in general have trauma, like we have a lot of issues to work through. And then work in a very stressful industry where it's work, 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 no sleep, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to look at where we come from, where we have to work a hundred times harder than people who don't look like us to achieve. So we almost get this thing of like, we just work until we're sick. And it's just like, this money will take everything, which is, I think a lot of problems with, especially black men is just like our solution to trauma is getting money and having fun and just doing whatever, which is cool, but it's like, didn't handle the underlying issue, <laughs> which is we don't take care of ourselves and, and actually address things that we went through when we were younger. And that's not something that we wanted to be a part of. So honestly, it really came about a lot of artists were going through a lot of things on tour. And especially we had one of the most popular ones at the time, Summer. And, you know, especially with like just mental health and therapy, like you can't People have to want to do it on their own time. So it's not on us to push that journey. But it was interesting because we put out the over album on Summer. Of course, she was all in the news and stuff. And we were being praised. Oh, the rollout's crazy. The music is good. You guys killed it. You guys broke another one. And then a month later, we, we were being crucified. She can't perform. Why y'all put her out there like that? Blah, 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 blah. And we were like, oh, shit. Like, one, you didn't force her. <laughs> to something that she wanted to try. And two, there's something to be said about facing your fears. You know, if she's always scared to perform and she never performs, then how is she ever going to get better? Especially in this age where artists should work hard, but at the same time, like in this day and age, you have zero time to go from playing a song to star. If you put out a song and it goes on TikTok in a week, you need to figure it out. And, you know, just humans in general and fans don't really give you time to just to be a star. They want it now and then. So you kind of have to be prepared mentally for the criticism, which a lot of folks aren't. So, you know, she was very public about her issues and stuff with shows and stuff. And our current head of our 
mental health division, Sarita, who's like a full-time therapist, licensed in everything. Everything's also fully above board, like it's patient-client confidentiality, like it's the real thing. And honestly, we got the idea from Billions. I don't know if you watch that show, but Wendy Rose, <laughs> kind of, and like she's there to kind of help everybody out in general. So I met Sarita when Summer was playing Camp Flog. She came up to me. She's like, hey, I'm aware of some of the stuff you guys have been going through. Here's my car. I feel like I can help y'all. And I was just like, cool, great. But, you know, I, I never called her. But for some reason, like a, maybe like two, three weeks later, I was headed to London for something. And something had happened with Summer again on the road. So I just called her and I was like, listen, like, I can't speak for Summer, but there's something going on that that we're not addressing that I think we need help with. We don't even know what it is. I was like, would you come consult for us and just come around and just see if maybe you can give us suggestions to like help her out? She was like, oh, wow. Like I never heard that before. I was like, I'm desperate. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm really trying to help her really through this. And we would love some help. That's also just putting everything aside and being like, we want to genuinely help our artists in the way that we can. So she came around for like a week and just was like, hey, try this, clear the backstage, you know, just can't just like small things after she learned who she was and those those small things really helped out. You know, everybody has their issues and she's still very public with it. Like, hey, like I still have my issues with social anxiety, everything. But at that point, we feel like we did our part in supporting our artists through her time. So after that, even with all that downfall, it was still a bunch of success, obviously. We were going into a new tier of our careers. Black and Summer are doing well. The company is growing. People know us. Yeah, so now we're kind of in the big leagues. We should probably get on the same page. And that's when we went into our group therapy sessions after the album came out. So it was it was just really us thinking about it. It was just like, I, I was like, hey, would y'all want to do this? And everybody was like, yeah. It was the first couple months weren't easy. It's not supposed to be. If you're really getting in there and addressing like things in your past, like it's going to be tough. But that's honestly the best decision we've ever made. And I commend all of us for really going down that journey. Yeah. And I think it shows a lot of awareness too for you all to be able to take the step forward with this. If you think, I think back to something you had said in an interview that I had listened to, you had said that artists and the people you're working with themselves, these are people that have gone through challenges. They've gone through difficult things in their life, which inspires them to make the music that you all enjoy. And if we are going to have a business that is working directly with them, how can we best support them in everything they're doing? So it's not coming from the perspective of, oh, something is off with this person. It's no, by design, for better or worse, these are people that have dealt with several things in their life which inspire them to be in this position to begin with. How can we just put as much support around them to be as great as they can? And I think by extension, that extends to you all as well as the executives for all the reasons you had laid out earlier of all the challenges that you have. So I think the more people that hear that and the more people that see that will ultimately, hopefully, 
that becomes the standard for the rest of the industry? Yeah, I think ultimately, like the music industry has taken a stance of it's a business and we're not in charge of your well being. That's bullshit. Like, we somewhat are. We benefit off these artists singing and rapping about their trauma. Least we can do is make sure they're okay. The least. And you know, from us working these long nights as staff and executives and stuff, same with us. Like, I want to try our best to not be a part of stories where an executive dies at 45 of a heart attack because he works too much or an artist taking their own life. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we can't do everything, but we can at least try our best to not be a part of that. So I want to make sure we're doing our part. And I tell people like, hey, is isn't about us being the first coming to this or the best. We don't care about that. We want to put out there. I tell people like, hey, do you want to do this? Call me. I will link you with Swedish. She'll put you in the right direction. It's because it's not about just us. It's about the whole industry in general. So Definitely. And I think part of this too that you've all done as well that I think helps with this is the expectations that you set on what artists should do and how they should measure their success, especially given the way things are with social media and the expectation to always feed these algorithms with content or setting streaming records on these streaming services or trying to follow what Billboard says for you know how well your album is performing. So and I think it's good to do those, but I also imagine as well that you're running a business and you likely do have some benchmarks or some things that you are at least trying to measure or monitor success or track performance for. How do you balance all of that? That's a good question because it's really hard, man. <laughs> like it's really hard because it's almost like not even just the music industry. Profiting in general is almost set up where you have to almost ignore being a good person to like make money, which isn't how we want to operate by. So they're not saying you have to because there's good people who make good money, but you have to literally almost go leaps and bounds over to do the right thing all the time to make money and benefit. So I think that the balance is patience. Like, most labels want to sign and try right now. If you're not realizing the profit in about 18 to 24 months, maybe you not, time's running up for you. Like labels have a shorter and shorter window now that they're going to invest without seeing a return. For us, our window's longer, especially being rooted in R&B and arts development. We know our things may take two to three years and that's fine. Because in the long run, it's beneficial. So for us, that's the balance because usually when we take our time and really focus on something, it really pays off. It really, really does pay off. And, you know, it also gives the artist time to actually develop and get comfortable with themselves. We've had times where we've snapped our fingers and pushed our magic LBRN button and the artist shoots off and we're like, whoa, they were not ready for that. And the worst thing you can do is put an artist in a position that they're not ready for because they will fall. They will fall and they'll be looking back at you like, help me. And you have to be there. So more than ever, we always want to make sure or put an artist in position where they're going to win in general, not just for us, the label for them, just overall. So the balance for us is patience, man. And it's tough. 
it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Because I hear that. I mean, the record labels, yeah, definitely, or the majors definitely have that shorter time frame. You all can extend that, but you still have a time frame, right? Like, yeah. there still is some expectation. <laughs> There's still an expectation of like, hey, let's, and you know, for us, it's it's the hard work. You can see when an artist is like, man, like, you're struggling, but you're so talented that I'm going to stay with you. The only time it doesn't work out is when we find ourselves wanting it more than them, it's like, oh, this isn't going to work out. Because ultimately, we want global superstars. Like, simple. If you just want to be local, not saying that's bad, you can make a good income off of it. This is the wrong place for you. We want the best. So, yeah. I feel like you also mentioned the flip side of that, too, with just artists that can grow too fast and there just isn't enough a infrastructure for them that they've set up themselves or just their understanding of what to do. And I got to imagine that that's a pretty big challenge now in the TikTok era where people can literally blow up so fast before they even know how to go to the next step with their career. What has that been like for you all? Because I know that TikTok in general has been a pretty popular, not just top of the funnel, but a popular place for A&Rs trying to find talent. And how does that look like for you all? Because I know that R&B is a little different, of course, than pop music or some of the other genres. But yeah, how's that piece been? So I will be honest and say we were somewhat late adopters to TikTok because it was like, is this thing here or is it going to go? And as you really dive into it, TikTok is really fucking amazing, just to be fully honest, because it's almost like you can really be yourself. Like over the past years of like Twitter and Instagram, I feel like everybody got in this vacuum or box. We want to be perfect, perfect tweets. We want to be funny if we didn't get en- enough likes. And this is that Instagram you sit there for an hour trying to get the right caption and the right filter and everything. And if it don't hit, you're almost like, damn, I'm a failure <laughs> over a picture <laughs> when you don't even understand algorithms and stuff. TikTok, you do something dope, it's going to go. Like whether it's music or cooking or something like it's almost like there's so many verticals there for you to appeal to people and really be yourself. Like I sometimes get sucked in just, just if I'm having a dance going to the, and just start laughing and I don't find myself uh, of the Instagram depression being like, damn, man, I'm not doing enough today. So I said to say, you know, the way we've been doing it is educating our artists that, hey, like, don't think of it as just dancing and stuff. Really go check it out. Like, what are you into? you like to cook? All right, here, go all this. And they'll come back and be like, oh my God, I found this recipe and I posted this and I posted that. And they find their way onto the platform without any, even any music. Now, of course, we're a label. We're going to tell them, hey, when you can post this or post that or try something with your music. But ultimately, when you just get them using it organically for themselves, it's a lot easier than being like, hey, we need these 10 post up and blah, blah, blah. So that's the challenge of that is like we really try and educate our artists on the platform so they know how to use it rather than hey record this and we'll post for you of course that happens but with every new platform there's education like artists have to adopt have to have to adopt like i know some like oh everybody wants tiktok and this is that well that's where everybody is so 
in the age of adoption, you kind of have to adopt. Like technology will leave you behind. Like te- technology waits on nobody. So if you don't kind of adapt and move forward, you, you'll be left in behind. So once again, that's another challenge that we're dealing with, but we're getting a lot better at it for sure. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing a lot. I feel like there was a lot of hesitation at first, but yeah, once you lean in, you see where that's where an audience is. It's not like you have to stop everything else, find a way to incorporate this with what you're doing right now. And I feel like in music as well, the other thing that has been getting a lot of attention is NFTs and tokens and things like that and how not just artists are using them, but how record labels are using them as well. How have you all looked at that or how have any of your artists specifically looked at that? Once again, late adopters on purpose don't want to be a part of the gold rush and really not know. I've been in crypto in general since 2017. So I'm educated in that space in general. I know Black and a few other artists also. But when you get into that type of level of this new technology involving fans, paying money for stuff, our artist fan bases are so like, sensitive (laughs) and not passive to the point that everything has to have a meaning throwing up an nft just to make a couple hundred grand just because doesn't really resonate with a lot of our artist fan bases so it's more so it has to really mean something like would i have loved to put up an nft for summer's rollout yeah but summer isn't into that fully yet right now Hopefully I can get her onto that black is so maybe for his rollout, but you know, really with the NFT community and really with crypto, they really respect people who know what they're talking about. And there are people who can just get away with this and that, but you will get embarrassed if you throw up something just for some money and people feel like you're just doing it for that, you'll get shunned out. So once again, it's really important that everything lines up with our artist brand fully so hopefully in the future we're definitely gonna be there you know this is really just the beginning like meta gaming like it's gonna get really expansive and there's definitely gonna be room for us sure definitely that's the thing i'm always hearing and i'm always reminding people as well we're still so early and i think that a lot of people a year ago had very less understanding and familiarity with what NFTs were. So we just think about how much has changed since February of 2021. So there's been a lot of movement there. But to your point, there was also a lot of grift. There was a lot of people just trying to get a bag for the sake of it. And I think that, I mean, generally speaking, I don't think that's a smart business practice, but I think it can work for some places. And I think some people made a good amount of money doing that. But if you are building an artist and more broadly a record label that is built on R&B music, it isn't necessarily the type where if you know that there is a certain amount of income, let's say that this fan base is willing to spend on music per year, is this the product that you want to put it towards? Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's very, you have to really, really understand your consumer base. And education is key. Let's understand like most of our artist fan bases are black women. I have to research the adoption of black women into crypto and NFTs and whatnot and putting something. And first of all, even if the fans had the money, but didn't understand that's still not good because you're putting your fans money at risk, which isn't good. You, you want your fans to understand what you're doing. 
and really understand because the point of NFTs is for the artist to benefit and the fan long term. So if you're just doing it to get a check and you do a rug pull or a carpet pull on your fans, like what is that? So that's what I'm because you know I have my artists call me like like yo let's do it NFT drop. All right, cool. What's the NFT? Uh, no, 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 no. Let's get you educated first, because the NFT you have to be hands on. What designer do you want to use? What that? Because if I'm doing all the work, what like you have to really, really be hands on with it. You don't have to, but like I said, like if you really want it to be real with your fans and whatnot, which all of our artists are pretty authentic, then we have to think about those things. So it's baby steps into a really big world. So we're, we're going to head there for sure. Yeah, I hear that. You brought up another thing that I want to go more in depth in the fact that you are serving an audience that is predominantly black woman and understanding that customer is the R&B fan. And I think that oftentimes people may group your record label with hip hop record labels. And even though I think we both know that the audiences are different, both from gender, but also from race as well, given a lot of the folks that I think now, especially listen to more mainstream hip hop and from how you all may choose to monetize, not just pushing records, but pushing live performances as well. What are some of the ways that you all go about things differently as opposed to, let's say, a hip hop record label would go about things that the average person may not see the nuance of that, but you do. Good question. There's a lot more Karen thought that Lily goes into every single thing. I'll go on a little and say a black woman's probably like the smartest woman on this earth. They literally don't miss anything. And they can call out bullshit mile away. Like literally, like Lily, if you if you do something that's not aligned with with your brand, they will call it out. And black women run social media like it's all of that and if you're not paying attention to what the culture is doing and saying you're gonna fail and that goes into like you know let's we had to summer's rollout we had it planned but it was ever changing <laughs> based upon summer because she's she's very authentic with who should i say everything was public everybody saw it very authentic thank with who she is so we had to adjust with what she was saying and going through and whatever and and how people took it and the story and receptive so there were times in the rollout where we had to change stuff add things in for more context for the music people don't understand like we turned in the master for summer's album like in august for us to have physicals when we released it because we knew that her fan base would want that something tangible Something that they can look back to because they've been following the story forever. Most rappers turn in their album two weeks before it comes out. We turn ours in three months. And that was intentional because a year before I was speaking to UMG, I was like, yo, I want Summer's album to be literally one of the biggest R&B releases, like, forever. Like, <laughs> we want it to be really big globally. I was like, well, that was like, give me the pop plan. Whatever y'all do for y'all pop artists, whatever y'all did with Olivia Rodrigo and Ariana Grande, and let me see that. I was like, oh, this is it? Okay, cool, man. Got you. And we worked from last year up until talking to Lily, speaking to UK, Germany, 
Australia, all these markets here, just like really, really, really going in and knowing our audience and, oh, so Summer's doing well in Brazil. Okay, cool. Let's target there. She's doing well in South Africa. She's doing well in UK. Cool. Let's tap in there. France. Okay, cool. Boom. Like those types of things that you have to really look into because R&B, like hip hop, you can get lucky with something on on hip hop. Something goes on TikTok or something. R&B, if the music not good, it's tough. <laughs> it's really not too much luck <laughs> that you're going to come from that. And with the music, they tend to do their research. Can they really sing? Are they good live? Are they good? So you have to find out everything that's special about the artist. Then be like, all right, cool. Which part of this music sphere or this or this fan base is going to love this? Focus on them, and they're going to help you spread from there and go. So once again, it's very hard. And it's not a perfect system that's what we'll throw out a single or an ep and whatnot and can try things out and if it works cool and then we'll throw out a single and be like oh this is good in my ah uh, people don't like it. okay cool try this like people praise us for our wins but we be having elves too like <laughs> like like not everything we do is a win and thankfully it's not because you need to learn a lot and i'll say we part of the process is trial and error. A lot of it, a whole lot. So yeah, it's not perfect, but it works for us for sure. Yeah. I think the, you pushing the physicals piece makes a ton of sense, especially given the audience. That's not something that you're going to see as much in hip hop where so much of it just relies on streaming. So yeah, they can churn in and just like do it at a much faster turnover rate. But I like how you said you went to UMG and you were like, hey, give me that pop plan. Give me that Olivia Rodrigo. Give me the Ariana Grande yep. plan. <laughs> and how do you feel like it was, I guess, now that you're on the other side of the release compared to what you had seen more recently from Ariana or from Olivia? Like in terms of the support that UMG and more broadly, like how they, how much of the support they've given Summer Walker with still over it compared to what you saw with what they had done with like Ariana or Olivia with their most recent. They leaned in. I mean, we're really annoying when we want something. I'm talking about like really, really like we're going to research who's in charge of that, who's in charge of that, who's in charge of this. Like we literally spoke to everybody in charge from Lucian to top of UK to everybody. And we just told them our goals. And I think it's one thing to be, to be said about labels that like everybody has their opinions and whatnot, but ultimately their goal is to make money. So if your goals align with their goals and you all have a plan, they're most likely going to support you on those goals if they make sense. And our goals aligned and we had this grandiose plan of moving summer into the global conversation. And, you know, we haven't fully achieved that, but we've made a giant step in that direction. And that's, just towards proper playing and linking with our partners globally and letting them know that and us getting the information of how to do that info is so important speaking more you know besides the label i called a lot of the other managers whether it's in the pop r&b or rap space and just was like hey like how'd you do that what was your experience with this what was your experience with that because sometimes we're kind of scared to call the people because we're like damn they're going to show weakness something no like people will be like oh for real man, do this, do this, do this, do this, because people actually enjoy helping you out when you ask. So we did a lot of that research, like research on music, like, okay, cool. These are some of the biggest R&B albums in the past 10, 20 years. What do they all have in common? 
okay, cool. Where'd they blow up at? What countries? What streaming services? What songs? What were the tempo of those songs? What were the keys of those songs? Like, what were the features? What I'm talking about every, what radio, st- I'm talking about every single thing that you could look into while something was successful, we researched it. And it took a long time, and but it paid off. And that's what it really takes to build R&B in this time and age. Time, a lot of research and energy and great music. Y'all broke it down to a science and you have to, right? Like you have to be able to get that detailed and that serious, especially if you're trying to do something groundbreaking. So that's what's up, man. That's what's up. One of the things I want to get your thoughts on, not on LVRN specifically, but more broadly with the music industry, the past few years, we've seen more and more investments made in Africa. We've seen Mm -hmm. more of the major record labels starting their own divisions in different sections of the continent. What are your thoughts on how things are going? And based on your experience and what you've seen in the industry, what are some things that you would like to see different or things that you think that they could improve upon? I don't have a full answer on how it's going. <laughs> Still a very emerging market. Labels should be careful. Africa will swallow them whole if they're not careful. <laughs> like the African markets and the artists are very smart. A lot of them do know their value when they speak to the right people. I think the biggest thing is not letting the same practices, the same predatory practices that have happened in America or still happen in the music industry perpetuate there because you don't have big governments and stuff like that to help regulate a lot. It's something to be said about talent here it's like you find somebody maybe in the hood of the ghetto that's very talented who lived in poverty majority of their life has the opportunity some people who live in poverty but may come from a real village that doesn't have anything that that's been living in real poverty strictly their whole life you could get over on them a lot easier and i've seen instances where it's happened i've seen some people have done a great job of of stopping it but i definitely see it happen so one over time, just realizing that the labels that do bad and people who do bad business, pe- people speak and it resonates heavily. And pretty quickly, you see artists speaking, people speaking, they'll get shunned. So that's one thing of just doing fair and smart business. Like, I'm really big on, I think contracts mean something. When you sign, you agree, but you should literally get your full fair chance fully to fully negotiate that agreement to your best advantage with your lawyers with your terms, everything fully understand it to the point that if you guys can't come to a common understanding, you two can walk away simply. And I think that's something that, that we forgot that everybody should always have their fair chance to, to speak their mind on, on what they want. Can't come to what I'm saying move on. But, and I think that's the biggest things of education, like workshops, teaching, everybody knows what things are, because I feel like when people are educated, things are a lot smoother. You're going to get people mad in the future and whatnot. And everything's meant to be renegotiated and done over. But from the beginning, I've learned that when your relationship with your artist is like fair from gym, they're like, wow, you really like listen to me and stuff like that. And we couldn't we could agree on everything, but I feel good. You feel good. Great. Cool. 
And that is going to help the industry. That's going to help artists and help everybody make money. And there's so much money out there in the long run. Like I really see Africa being like similar to what happened with Latin America in the past 10 years of that uptick. And, you know, as more countries get more online, solar, data, internet, you're going to see an even bigger explosion of new independent labels, new independent artists, new majors, maybe that come out of that place. Because I'm seeing something right now, especially with just African music, is that it really is global. It's fun. It's love. It's everything. It, it makes me feel good that it's traveling like this. But I do want to make sure that the artists and the creators from there and, and the entrepreneurs really get to benefit from what it is because that seems like that's going to be our biggest export. Like entertainment of the world and the people should be able to benefit from that fully. So that's the hope. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you on that. I'm excited. I think I've been happy to see the investment. I think that there's a lot of things that clearly show the indication and we all know there's the talent there. You know, it's, it's so abundant. It's everywhere. The piece I'm curious to see how it plays out, and this will probably change over time, but the streaming piece, because I think this is a culture that downloads are so popular with how people consume music and you're getting people to now shift their behavior to what in many ways has made the u.s market bounce back due to streaming how does that play out and will that behavior shift in the same type of way i don't know i mean i think there's some signs and obviously all the streaming services are pushing it and that as you mentioned you know definitely could continue to improve with broadband expansion and things like that but i'm curious to see how that piece plays out Hopefully, it's really going to come down to energy. Once a lot of African countries figure out their power and energy and data function, Africa is the youngest continent, literally the youngest. And with a rising middle class, and if those kids are really empowered, you're going to see something incredible happen, really. And I'm going to say something from the Ghanaian president. He said... Black people around the world will be fully respected when people respect Africa fully. And I see that being hand in hand with a lot of the issues I see people trying to solve now. So the future is bright. Definitely. Yeah. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. Well, hey, Tunde, this was great. We covered everything. I feel like you dropped a bunch of gems in this. But before we let you go, bro, is there anything else you want to share? Any other upcoming releases from LVRN that you want to plug or let the Trapal audience know about? I'll say this. I've been going to tangent and say that we probably have the best developing roster in music. My, my new acts are a problem. Like from hip hop to R&B, it's very special. Also, look out for some major, major executive <laughs> additions to the crew. In our expansion, we've secured two pretty large real estate transactions in Atlanta and L.A. that people will be hearing about very soon for our new offices and, and studios in 2022, we are coming to really put our flag down in music globally, just like that. <laughs> Love to hear it. Hey, y'all called your shot. You said we are opening the floodgates and this is how you do it. 
Yes, sir. So you do it. Yep. Tune day. This has been a pleasure. Thanks again for Absolutely, coming out, man. man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Hello. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapalo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week. Thank you.